Hello, and welcome to a live popped culture on Deprogram with Carrie Smith. I'm one of your hosts, Carrie Smith, and I'm here with Mystery Chris. Hello, Mystery Chris. Hey. Good. How are you doing, Carrie? I'm good. I um I'm excited about tonight. I will say quickly to get it out of the way. If it's your first time here, this is a live show that Chris and I do Wednesday nights. And this one is all about frivolity and pop culture and entertainment. And we learn about topics together. And if you like the channel, please hit like and subscribe. Uh, tomorrow, I have a guest that you may know, Chris. Tomorrow on Deprogrammed, uh, 6 o'clock Texas time, I'm releasing an interview with Chris Gore from Film Threat. And I'm very excited about it. I love talking to him. He he has he's just a wealth of information and you would love him. So I we should have him back on this Wednesday night show sometime. He he knows all about Star Trek and all that stuff that you like. Yeah, Chris Gore is awesome. Yeah, I've been listening to him uh, okay. recently, uh, hearing a lot of stuff he's got to say. So yeah, he's great. Cool. So that is tomorrow. And then Friday, there's not gonna be I'm taking another Friday off because I'm traveling to New York for Mimes Fest, which is on Saturday. Uh, at the Beacon Theater, it's being put on by Minds, and it's hosted by Chrissy Mayer, and the panelists include people like Zuby, Libby Emmons, Tim Poole, uh, Cornell West, and Coleman Hughes, just a whole bunch of interesting folks. So that's happening. I have to travel on Friday. So anyway, we are a relatively new channel. If you like the channel, please consider hitting like and subscribe. We do have ways that you can contribute financially if you want to. And I think Pirate, our lovely producer, has pinned those in the chat. So that's it. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> and scene. And <laughs> I just want to say to you, I know we've talked off camera a little bit, but I didn't get to talk about this with you on camera. I had the best weekend uh, in Dallas. I was hanging out with the Friday Night Tights guys, Gary from Neurotic and uh, Jeremy from Geeks and Gamers, Ryan Canal, RK Outpost, um, Odin's movie blog, Odin was there, Comics Division, um, Eric July. It was a ton of people, George the Giant Slayer. And ju just, I met so many people, so many, um, not just, content creators but so many people came to meet up and to fan expo and had interesting conversations with all these folks and it was so inspiring it was like there were people there who had recently left the left and were wanted to tell me their stories and you know everybody's got their own unique story but then there's some similarities and so anyway it was great it was great talking to all these people so that's awesome. How was the uh, fan expo itself? It was packed. I actually, so my friend, you know, Julia. Yeah. Julia Mann, Julia Mann Art. She uh, she sells her art at a lot of cons. So she was there and I was going to get to see her and she, and she was going to give me an exhibitor badge. And I actually just walked in the back door. I, I, I somehow I can get into places very easily. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, there's like, I don't know, 10,000 people or something waiting out front. And I didn't have a badge or anything. I just went up the loading dock and went in the back. I talked to the guys. <laughs> <laughs> the box? We're going to be moving that box. Gonna move. 
I look, I used to work in entertainment. I know how to go in the back door. You just walk in like you're busy. <laughs> I seriously, I'm always, you just walk in like you have a notepad or something and you're looking for someone or, <laughs> or you're just like, I had or a you're friend like, who huh? did that like um, at a sporting event, a UT OU game. He uh, pretended he was on his cell phone and like he just walked through the gate and some guy was like, uh, sir, he's like, he just pretended to keep talking on his cell phone. And like his girlfriend was like, how am I supposed to get it? He's like, do the same thing. She does the same thing <laughs> the same way. That's so, but look, somebody in the chat says white privilege. No, it, it, it's just looking busy privilege. I walked into the AVN, the porn award, the porn convention once without a badge. What else? Um, well, anyway, oh, there was one time, there was one time, uh, like at South by one of my other manager friends, she taught me how to do this. There was a long line to get into an event. One of those clubs that they're in Austin, a huge line. And we actually had badges. We just, she was like, we're not waiting this line. So she's like, let's go into the kitchen. So we just walked in and she's like, it's John here. I need to speak with John. And they're like, oh, I think he's inside. And so we just go straight through. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think of the most generic way to think of. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, Gosh. Anyway, there's other funny stories. There was one at a Quest Love show, but but so what's funny about this is I got in and my friend, of course, is looking for me at the lobby to give me the bag. And, she, and then I'm like, no, I'm at, I'm like near your booth. She's like, how did you get in here? And <laughs> then um, it was packed. It was full of just. It's like it was like Comic Con in San Diego. It seemed that large to me anyway. I don't know the numbers, but it seemed very large, and it was. I mostly just stayed in artist alley at her booth and helped her. Um, but, uh, and then I had to go to her car. You'll find this funny. I had to go to her car to get, cause she got to spread out and take a double booth and I had to go get some supplies for her to help display the rest of her art. And so I took this wagon and I started walking around the convention center and it was so hot and it, and, it, and and it was like a mile if I had walked around, right? So I tried tried to cut back in through another back door, a different loading dock. And I walked into the backstage of a bodybuilding competition that was happening. <laughs> <laughs> also without a badge. Like, and then I came he's, out. He's and like, at the very end where he's going mm -hmm. through all the studios. <laughs> it was like Pee Wee. It was totally like Pee Wee. <laughs> just walking through everything. I thought I was going back into the con, but I ended up in this bodybuilding expo. They had boots and stuff too, and badges. But um, so I wandered through there, and then. It'd be funny. They were like, all right, you're up next. They <laughs> start pushing you up on stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were bodybuilders back there flexing, getting ready to go up. Uh, She's very minimalist. Yeah, it was pretty funny. But then, so on Sunday. I went to the Gina Carano panel and I had not uh, heard her speak at length before. And she was amazing. She just said, she said so many wonderful things. She said things, you know, she talked about deciding to do the daily wire movie and how she had let, she was after her ca cancellation, she was about to start work on a film that was a union film, you know, in the industry. And they said they might require all the actors and crew to get the vax. And she sort of said, well, I don't think it's controversial to say that we should be able to choose if we want to do that or not. It's injecting something into your body. And so she decided not to do it and instead went and did the Daily Wire project and got to direct and, and everything. And she said a couple of great things about, you know, 
choosing the path that is harder, but is more rewarding and is, is maybe not as lucrative, but you, you get to respect yourself in the end. She said, I respect myself after these past two years. And, and, and she, and she said something at one point about how we're going to take back the art. And I thought that was awesome. So that's awesome. Not only to see the response from fans towards her, but the fact that the people putting on these, you know, uh, conventions are having her. And I know they, um, you know, Friday Night Tights guys had their own, um, you know, panel at this uh, expo. And I thought that was great. You know, yes. you that they would be very afraid given, you know, the culture. Uh, could you hear stories about, you know, Vic Mignogna, you know, and how people are trying to get him kicked off of various panels and out of uh, conventions because of his, you know, politics or really his religion. I oh, I met him. Did you? Yes, he was at dinner. I forgot his name, but yeah, that, that was his name. Nice. What is his story? Uh, so uh, he, he was like um, falsely accused of some sexual misconduct by some person who that I forget where he ran into this woman, but he basically like lost his big deal. He was doing it. He's voiceover actor. Yes. Yeah. His career kind of got ruined um, for a bit. And now he's kind of, you know, fighting to, to restore his, you know, name to people. And he's wrongly smeared. So, yeah. Cool. Well, I would, I didn't realize the, his whole backstory. He's just someone, there were so many people, like I said, culture casino, drunk 3PO, like just a lot, of, a lot of folks. Anyway, that that's the, uh, that's the wrap up from the weekend. <laughs> and pirate is saying in the chat, and this is true. We have to get a soundboard now, Mr. Chris, because I had so much fun doing all the sound effects on the Friday Night Show. You know, Friday Night Tights, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun to have something like that. So. <laughs> so this topic, you guys, we're talking about Soviet propaganda and or entertainment, I guess, depending on how you view it tonight. And when you suggested this, I was excited because I don't know a lot about it. It's one of those things that I'm interested in learning more about. And so we pulled up some articles and some clips to show you guys and just learn about it with you. Um, did you want to set it up at all about why you were interested in this? Yeah, well, just like you said, I knew next to nothing about Soviet, you know, pop. I want to put that in quotes, pop culture. It's more like a state mandated pop culture. But prop, prop culture. Yeah, there we go. But yeah, I, I knew really, you know, nothing about it. And so I was curious and thought this was a great opportunity to dig in and, and see if the entertainment was as propagandistic and as lackluster as you know, I would believe it would be. Mm -hmm. And what did you find? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it seems for the most part, yes. Um I, I was trying to look at it from uh, different genres because I was looking more at TV and I, I think you did um, some research for movies, but when I was looking at TV. I was comparing it to, you know, TV programs that we had here in the West and seeing the kind of difference. Like one of the big things that far as I can tell that there are for the most part, no sitcoms in the Soviet Union. I mean, there's, there's, there were some comedy shows, like variety type shows, but there wasn't really a sitcom. And I've been thinking about this all day, trying to, to 
um, think about why that is because if you know in, in America we had the more f nuclear family centric sitcoms I can understand Soviet Union not wanting to promote the family unit uh, unit above all others you know because it's collectivism but it doesn't have to be centered on a family you know it could be you know guys could be mash three <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you can do something like that and so it just I I not sure exactly why they didn't have sitcoms um they also didn't have comic books really for the most part and i think that one's a little bit more obvious you know you don't want to have any heroes that are you know embodying any kind of individualistic values you know you don't want people to start thinking about the individual <laughs> and the rights that they you know inherently have right. you have to think about the group so uh, those are two interesting things, but I did find out some uh, information about TV. Um, the fact that there were no commercials up until like the late '80s, which I have an article I'll read later about mm -hmm. that. But it, it's, it's interesting. Sounds pretty miserable. <laughs> there was a lot of dancing. This is what I found, <laughs> which is interesting. And, yeah, it's warm. Uh, Somebody, I just saw this go by in the chat. Scott Miller says, in Soviet Union, you don't watch TV. TV watches you. <laughs> That's pretty good. Okay. I can't do accents. Yes. Gary, what is next? Yes. What does that mean? What? What do you mean, Gary? This is my bad direction accent. It's, it's actually, it's really good, I think. No, well, it's all the vodka I've been drinking. <laughs> no, you haven't. Um, <laughs> let's pull up this first article. So this is this is from um, a socialist website, I believe, <laughs> which is interesting. But links International Journal of Socialist Renewal. Kelly, this is just gotta say one second. Uh, socialist, uh, socialist word here plus <laughs> up here. <laughs> what? Socialist here. Not secure. Not, not secure link here. I couldn't see the screen because I was pulling up the article and I'm like, what's happening? I'm not sure what's going on here. You guys, it's Comrade Pirate Tomsky. Sorry, we go away. We go away. We go away. <laughs> this is when it would be good to have the soundboard. It would be ending wah, wah, wah as you leave. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That was That made me laugh. Okay. This first article, okay, very long. We're not going to read the whole thing. It gets very detailed about a lot of different films. I just wanted to read about how, why they thought film was important. Why the, the Bolsheviks thought it was important for propaganda, which I think is kind of obvious, but let's read some of this. So uh, second paragraph, it says, however, the Bolsheviks would revolutionize Russian cinema. So at first they're talking about how Russia launched its own film industry and how it was growing and they had their their own uh, distributors. They didn't have to rely on foreign films. So uh, the Bolsheviks would revolutionize Russian cinema as leaders recognized the potential of film propaganda as a way to influence the political and social attitudes of the people. Vladimir Lenin clearly understood the power of film as he stated, quote, of all the arts for us, cinema is most important, end quote. Should have had Pirate read that. The Bolsheviks nationalized the film industry in 1919, giving the people's commiserate. I can never say that word. Can you say it? 
com- commiserate? Is that, is that where commissariat? It's commissariat. That's what it is. Barely. People's commissariat for education control over film production with a mandate to use cinema to promote the communist cause at home and abroad. So that's to me when when I read they you know of course they nationalized the film industry. I immediately thought of Britain and Canada and NPR and things like that, which I I don't know about you, but being on the left for so long, I never used to question having um, some type of some kind of of state run media. I kind of thought of it as a good thing. It's non-biased. It's public. It's public radio. Right. <laughs> the people's radio. Exactly. Isn't that weird what it does to your brain? We think, I, I, I've had to rewire the whole way I think about that word public. Now. <laughs> um, before delving into Soviet film in particular, it is crucial to first understand why film stood out as a key propaganda tool in the early 20th century. Film was a new medium. While propagandistic images had been used in various ways throughout history, moving images offered something fresh. One of the most well-known tales in film history about the impact of film on early viewers is that upon watching Lumiere's Arrival of the Train, audiences shrieked in horror as the train coming directly towards them from the background of the image. Even though this story may have been embellished, early audiences were intrigued by film's ability to uh, animate real-life imagery. Thus, film offered unprecedented realism beyond the traditional effect of pamphlets, posters, and even photography. Furthermore, since the majority of Russia's population were illiterate peasants, film could reach a widespread audience who would not have responded as well to written propaganda. And then I'm just going to read a little bit from this paragraph, and then I want to show you guys something. The Bolsheviks focused their film industry on promoting specific communist themes among the Russian people and around the world. Different times meant different goals. During the years from 1917 revolution to the death of Joseph Stalin in 1953, Soviet propaganda adjusted to reflect the needs of the party in three periods, the revolution, the civil war, and the new economic policy. Stalinization, modernization, and the Great Purges, and the pre-war World War II and post-war years. Over the course of these periods, Soviet film focused successively on the following key objectives. Enshrining the ideals of the revolution, solidifying the Bolsheviks' version of history, so rewriting history, and justifying Bolshevik leadership. Promoting international revolution and calling on workers everywhere to unite against their oppressors. That sounds kind of familiar today, doesn't it? (laughs) Demonstrating the power of the people working together, elucidating the concept of the new Soviet person and of the Cultural Revolution, showing the ongoing struggle against class enemies, showing the ongoing struggle against class enemies. That also sounds very familiar, except I would say identity enemies. Promoting the controversial policy and methods of collectivization, demonstrating how industrialization would improve the lives of ordinary people while bringing society closer to the communist ideal, and celebrating Stalin as the strong leader of the Russian people and justifying questionable means to protect the people from enemies, foreign and domestic. In short, Soviet film propaganda evolved in both content and style to reflect the changing political goals of the party during these periods. That was a mouthful. <laughs> but this is almost like the superheroes of then for Russia, 
given that they weren't promoting, you know, too many archetypes, you know, in fiction. It's more the realistic, you know, actual person, you know, Joseph Stalin or someone who served in you know, the Communist Party that was being promoted to the level of, you know, a, I don't know, Batman or something. It was like Superman. Yeah, and they're crafting a whole story around that, you know, very romanticizing this person's life and, you know, what they quote unquote did for, you know, the collective. Yeah. It's 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 like uh it's like Chairman Mao putting his image on everything and 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 of course I know if you're thinking of fiction, people will think of Big Brother's image. Um but you will see in this next link. This is about a particular film from 1939. It was called Tractor Drivers. <clears throat> and you used to be able to find the whole thing, the original version on YouTube. I couldn't find it. Maybe somebody else can. I think the version, the, there was one version that's been removed. But um, because what they did is they ended up editing it uh, later. But in the original version, Stalin's face was in a lot of scenes. There were a lot of these uh, slogans that were uplifting Stalin and just kind of peppered throughout the film. So in this link, let's see. Oh, yeah, you've got it out. Thanks, Pirate. So this is an article called Stalin Was Their Drug, Tractor Drivers. Um, and this is a blog. This guy writes about different types of Soviet films. He says, I love the poster of the 1939 Soviet movie called Tractor Drivers, as it instantly makes me think of my all-time favorite, El Topo. And there you can see those two side by side. To get El Topo, you had to smoke weed. <laughs> While watching Tractor Drivers, I had a feeling that all the actors had to take speed to keep in line with the director's vision. In this worker's paradise, everybody is aggressively happy and hyperactive they plow the soil in ecstasy. They feverishly exclaim instead of talking. They laugh their heads off for no reason and all of a sudden burst into singing. Cinematic pathos was very characteristic for the Stalin era. Tractor Drivers is one of many films mythologizing the everyday life of a collective farm and representing its hyper-idealized image on the screen. Tractor Driver shows us the cult of personality in its full bloom, Stalin is omnipresent. The leader looks down from portraits. Tractors are named after him. And the film's characters constantly praise him in songs. This is a musical, by the way, Tractor Drivers. <laughs> There's lots of singing and dancing. I have to admit that Khrushchev did a pretty nice job denouncing the cult of Stalin's personality. In the 1960s, the songs of Tractor Drivers were rewritten and the film was redubbed. This also, have you, I've been to Italy once and one of the things that was interesting was to see how every time there was a new uh, Superman, if you will, that, that they, they would destroy all, a lot of the, uh, the statues and the figures of the previous one. You know, it's like, no, no, now we're doing my image right everywhere. So um, here we go. Take a look at the stills below and pirate, make this a little bigger. If you can, so people can see it on the left. They are from the original 1939 version of the film and on the right from the 1960s edited version. So you can see um, on the left, there's a portrait of Stalin right here. And then on the right, they've changed it out with some bearded guy. 
And then if you scroll down to the tractor, on the top of the tractor, the original film, you can see Stalin's name there on the top. It's been removed, just kind of erased in the redub. And then there's a final scene here. They give you another example of the wedding scene. And way up there at the top on the picture on the left, you can see Stalin's picture looking out over everyone like Big Brother. And it was removed, of course, when they redid the film. But think, think about how, you know, lack of a better term, you know, poetic justice for, you know, what happened there. Because Joseph Stalin, if you were an enemy, which basically meant he just suddenly woke up and decided you were his enemy, he would have you killed, your entire family killed, anybody who knew you killed. They would literally take an eraser and erase your face from any picture that you're in. And so to have the same treatment that he would do to countless number of other people done to him after he died, it's quite fitting. They would take an eraser and erase your face? Yeah, they were trying to erase your existence, like any record of your existence, they were trying to destroy it. That also makes me think of 1984 and how Winston Smith had to edit things out of the history books, mm -hmm. drop it down the memory hole. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it. communism. So, yeah. It also makes me think of a lot of Lifetime movies where a woman breaks up with someone and then cuts his face out of pictures. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Is that every Lifetime movie? It's every Lifetime movie about an unstable woman. <laughs> 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 like Stalin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there's a little clip here. <clears throat> Before we cue it up, I'll just read what he says. But he says, Tractor Divers is a musical film. I simply love the fact that even the musical genre, always defined by escapism it offered to audiences in the Soviet Union, still served propaganda purposes. If musical numbers in Hollywood musicals were usually just spectacular disruptions of storyline meant to entertain, in the Soviet musical, they were ideological interludes used to remind the viewer about his duties as a Soviet citizen. This crazy dance sequence, for instance, shows how relentless a Soviet worker is after plowing the soil all day. He is tripping away like nothing happened. Let's play that one. Hey! He loved working in that collectivist farm. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all the energy he still has at the end of that long work day. What Kaknada, Mila Maya, Atoristeria. Sonora says they're doing the hokey pokey. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, one last thing from that article. You don't have to pull it back up. Well, actually, yeah, because I want to show you these pictures. Um, <clears throat> in the Hollywood cinema of that time, the girls were gold digging, flapping, and showing, and their ultimate desire, nevertheless, was to get happily married. 
Tractor Drivers offers us a new type of woman. The heroine, Mariana Bazin, is an expert tractor driver and foreman of the brigade who in her spare time dashingly rides a motorbike and beats off unwanted admirers. Highly masculinized in the beginning of the film, Mariana gradually acquires femininity and finally ends up married to the hero, but does it only after the tractor station authorities grant their approval. <laughs> <laughs> and so you can see some pictures of her there. Um, da -da -da -da. Oh, and then there's just some funny stuff about remakes in the 90s with some of those tractor driver characters. For anybody that likes weird, esoteric, like indie film, that would probably be interesting. But yeah. Okay. Do you want to talk to me a little about TV? Uh, sure. Uh, Pirate, if you could bring up the article, Early Television in the Soviet Union, please. All right. Okay, so in this article, it says, uh, let's see. as Russian historian Kristen Rothy writes, it was a particular tricky one for Soviet officials and citizens in the 1950s and 60s when television was new and exciting. Uh, Rothy writes that the Soviet government immediately saw television's potential as a way to demonstrate the regime's technological capacity, promote the idea of a socialist good life, and bring domestically made media into citizens' homes. For a regime struggling and mostly failing to prevent its citizens from turning into foreign radio, television was a very alluring alternative, Rothy writes. To the early uh, televisions had screens the size of postcards and broke down frequently, which I did read an article where it talked about how some of these TVs would explode. So that's pretty cool. Wow. There wasn't much to watch either. In the late 1950s, the most active station in the country, Moscow TV, only broadcast for four hours a day. And yet as early as 1954, a New York Times reporter observed that the Muscovites were frankly wild about television. While it wasn't until 1970, the majority of Soviet homes had TVs. Many households got them much earlier, and not only wealthy ones. In 1955, a visiting American marveled at houses that sagged in the mud but were equipped with TV antennas. Despite its evident propaganda potential, Rothy writes, TV production was far from a centralized government endeavor. In the early days, ham radio clubs run by civil defense groups set up local stations. For ambitious a praktichi, I don't know how you pronounce that, uh, TV was tricky medium. It was impossible to see or to report to one's supervisors how many people actually watched broadcasts or how they reacted. As the Communi Communist Party magazine Communist compared in 1959, to some people, reading a lecture on TV seems not a terrible and important affair while appearing in a lecture hall seating 300 to 500 people seems so much more responsible. After all, you can count how many people were there and how many questions were asked. Officials also hoped to spread cultural literacy through TV, Rothy writes. In 1965, communists described the medium as aesthetic education's most widespread and flexible instrument and a powerful tool for the propaganda of the beautiful. Stations were allowed to broadcast feature films within as little as a month of their theatrical release, and TV crews brought mini theater and dance performers to their home audience. And so it goes on a little bit, but what was interesting in reading some other articles about TV is it 
from what I could tell, there was four national stations that the entire Soviet Union, for the most part, had access to. But each uh, republic, you know, each country that was absorbed in the Soviet Union had its own stations, and then sometimes cities would have their own stations. But, you know, all obviously had to report to, you know, the central government in terms of, you know, um, types of programming that are running on there. But early in the 1950s, when it came about, it seems like there were some parallels to America, how in America in the 1950s, a lot of the elites were concerned about TV appealing too much to lowbrow, you know, interest, people who are interested mm -hmm. in that kind of thing. And there was kind of a uh, kind of push by some of them to try to create more highbrow uh, entertainment. And what I've read, is the Soviet Union was kind of like that, but um, quickly the government kind of took more control over TVs in the late, you know, mid to late 50s. And, you know, the, the elites kind of, you know, didn't have much of an influence on that. But from then on, you know, the end of the Soviet Union, uh, it was primarily games, uh, TV quiz shows, um, it was variety shows, you know, like I said, not a lot of sitcoms, um, not not a whole lot of variety of television type uh, or uh, American type shows being shown in Soviet television. So it wasn't a lot of options, didn't have a lot of channels to choose between, but a lot of people still tuned in because what else are we going to do, sadly? Right. Ozymandias is, hello, is saying, uh, well, TV is referred to programming for a reason. Yeah, they called it program, program one. They did these things that you sent me. Um, they had the sign off, right? Like some, yes. some people rem will remember that from their childhood, maybe where the television and would, would uh, <clears throat> I don't remember from my childhood. I remember in movies that talked about an older period where at the end they would play the American, um, the national anthem and have a, the American flag flowing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So they had something similar. Do you want to watch that now? Yeah. Pirate, if you can pull up that, that clip, uh, the Soviet sign off, which is quite interesting. And, and I believe it's the same anthem that Russia still uses. If I think I'm correct. But yeah, it was interesting. And how the, uh, there's a lot, there's a weird beep at the beginning, just the warning. So maybe you want to just mute it real quick and play it. So, yeah, uh, yeah, you can unmute it now. I think we're good. Yeah, there we go. Chevy's standing for this. 
I feel like I should be standing. <laughs> the sign off would freak me out after I saw Poltergeist. Scott, yeah. That's that is a movie where I saw it too. The party of linen, the strength of the people. Yeah. They've got their masks on. Early. They own nothing. They're talking about the triumph of communism, the son of freedom, and the great linen who's shown our path. To a just cause, Lenin lifted the people. To labor and historic deeds, heroic deeds, he inspired us. A reliable stronghold of people's friendship. <laughs> Alan Scott says, I think CNN is starting its broadcast day. <laughs> Hail Drago. <laughs> I need some vodka. <laughs> Long anthem, is it not? Falling asleep already. <laughs> yeah, we can stop there. <laughs> we get, we get it, Russia. We get it, Soviet Russia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys in the chat are cracking me up. Don Lemon should change his name to Don Lennon. Okay. Nah. <laughs> um. Along those same lines, you sent over something that they started their day with, which surprised me. Which one was this? What did I send? I'm trying to remember. The exercise. Oh, yeah. The exercise video. Uh, Pirate, do you have that one? <laughs> it looks yeah. great already. I know. Yeah, go ahead and play that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I want what he's wearing. <laughs> so this is like a national exercise thing that they did. Yeah, it's like the equivalent of uh, sit and be fit. <laughs> You know what this makes me think of? I had to look up the name of it. I found this I found this 80s record at the thrift shop a few years ago. And it's got ladies like this on the front doing aerobics. And it, it's a record. And it's called Firm Believer. It's a Christian workout album on a record. Firm Believer. So just think about the difference between this and like the aerobics videos in America, where the women wear like, swimsuits 
другую сторону. The ones in America would have swimsuits. Yeah. Well, yeah. I used to work out to Jane Fonda yes. and Cher. Cher had two workout tapes that were Bud quite Steel. good. Yeah, Suzanne Summers. Buns of Steel. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the Cher ones, she would wear total bikini type or, or bathing suit type leotards with sparkles and fishnets. <laughs> It's interesting because I know like the Soviets, they banned a lot of sexual uh, type materials on, you know, television, but, you know, it almost seems like you want to promote that, you know, back then, like you kind of want the people to have their vices and kind of be degenerates. So government can still kind of reign over them. I don't know, though. I don't know. I'd have to think about that more. I mean, that's the method here is they want us to be, I think, I think the powers that be want us to be drunk, stoned, sex addicts, completely, you know, zoned out every day. Right. But there, they needed these people to work the factories and the farms, right? So, <laughs> I don't know. Drunken. <laughs> I mean, it's not like people are trying very hard anyway. There's something cool about having a national exercise program in the morning. I I'm not going to knock this one. I kind of think <laughs> if we had something like this, you know, that's like unites us all. Everybody get up. If you turn your TV on, we're all going to work out. It's going to be, yeah, Cindy Crawford, somebody says. Or, uh, oh, what was his name? Sweating to the oldies. Richard Simmons? Richard Simmons. Yeah. 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 What if they uh, had a national exercise program instead of locking down the entire country two years ago? <laughs> That would be crazy, Mystery Chris. They <laughs> needed to keep the liquor stores and the fast food joints open and close the gyms. <laughs> mm, well, they're doctors. I trust them. Bill Gates is a trained <laughs> I, he knows what he's doing. I trust him. Uh, that was fun. Uh, let's see. Did you have another article? Or, uh... No. Let's. I mean, I have some more things for later. I have a couple of dance articles actually. Uh, I did one. I did have one other article. Um, this is about commercials. Pirate, if you could please bring up the uh, how commercials make their way to Soviet television. This was a very interesting article. It, it, it makes sense when you think about it, but I didn't think about it prior to reading this. So it says, uh, I'm just going to read a little bit. Uh, Children love them. Adults hate them. What are they? Bingo. Television ads. In the 1960s, the first television commercial appeared on screens in Soviet Union, and it was nothing short. Uh, I think it cut off. I mean, uh, there, was no, there was no commercial advertising on Soviet television. Uh, Lee Lubov Platonova, an award-winning TV producer of the Arts Channel, Rosiar Koltrua, explained, <laughs> back in those days, TV commercials had zero impact on business and culture. What we see, it keeps cutting off here, sorry. Uh, after all, there's no point in creating advertising in the form, scale, and volume in which it exists today, says Platonova. The two-minute porn clip aired in 1964 during the culture years of Khrushchev's thaw. It's common knowledge that the ambitious Soviet le uh, leader, inspired by the highly successful U.S. experience, wanted to turn the country into the world's second-largest corn producers. 
So a lot it goes into how a lot of these um, ads were paid for by the government. The, the government would tell the companies that it owned that it had to spend 1% of its budget on advertising. And a lot of this advertising was never going planning to go out. Um, even if it did go out, it was basically just promoting, you know, that the product existed. Obviously, the price is set. There's no competition. There's only one product people can choose between. So it's simply just more of just an awareness thing rather than trying to make a competitive pitch uh, or a persuasion or something like that. And so commercials, for the most part, weren't seen in Soviet Union up until the mid to late 80s. And I believe the first American ad to show in the Soviet Union was a Pepsi ad with Michael Jackson. And Pepsi became like the you know most favorite soft drink of uh, the Soviet Union for a while, up until Coca-Cola, I think maybe a decade and a half ago or so. But it, it is really interesting to see that how a entire culture went decades without being inundated with advertising. Because advertising yeah. is really our form of propaganda anyway. Right. But, but it's not a, you know, this makes sense. And there was that other article you sent me about how they made commercials for products that don't even exist. Mm-hmm. That blew my mind. And one of the things it said in that piece was that because it's not a capitalist system, there's, there's no company, there's no competition. And so, but they knew that they wanted to project this sort of opulent society and <clears throat> that sense of, aspiration that people have when they see something that they want right and so they had them make these commercials for fake products yeah which is insane were you going to pull that one up too uh yeah i think uh pirate can you please pull that one up yeah they wanted to put forth the image of abundance yes a lot of people were starving sadly this is crazy Chris. it's just gaslighting on the did you know about this before looking it up? No, I didn't. I had never heard this before. Um, can I read part of this one? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Soviet spiel. Why the USSR produced ads for non-existing products. And then there's a, a lovely lady climbing out of a car. Um, because the government required all companies to spend 1% of their revenue on advertising, the Soviet Union's role ad, sole ad agency turned out hundreds of commercials pitching imaginary products who in his right mind would produce a TV commercial for a product that does not exist. Well, between 1967 and 1991, the Soviet Union's sole advertising agency produced literally thousands of commercials pitching products that state owned companies did not produce and had absolutely no intention of producing from minced chicken to hot air showers and double layered toilet seats. (laughs) The Estonia-based Etsy Reklub film, the ERF, made over 6,000 commercials for all manner of goods, both real and fictitious. This is that part I was talking about. In a consumer-oriented capitalist society, advertising is about getting people to buy your product instead of your competitors. But because of the absence of competition in the communist system, television advertising had a totally different purpose and role. According to the Australian magazine Smith Journal, its objective in the simplest sense was to project a narrative of abundance, that's what you said, onto a population that was accustomed to experiencing scarcity. 
let's just scroll down and show this minced this this minced chicken meat <laughs> commercial that for something that didn't you couldn't even buy. <laughs> Why? Look <laughs> at <laughs> the chicken. They're like this looks great. There has oh. to be some kind of like subliminal messaging going on. Like I, I refuse to believe this is solely about chicken. Oh, it tastes so good. making <laughs> Do you want to end up on the dinner table? I think so. Look how happy they are there. They're almost as happy as that <laughs> that collectivist farmer who was dancing at the end of his day. Um anyway, that just that blew my mind. So thanks for thanks for letting me read part of that. I just I can't get over it. <laughs> What happened when you went to the stores and you looked for the minced chicken? <laughs> bought minced horse. I don't know. <laughs> it says, it says, um, just one more thing from here. Cause it said something about how, <clears throat> um, it said when the creatives at these, at this, that one advertising agency, Produce, they produced whatever ads they wanted. And when the party bosses reviewed the films, everyone pretended that everything was just fine. Basically, nobody cared. After all, if the products were real, they would sell anyway in a country where shortages were widespread. That sounds like today. If the ads were pitching ghost products, it didn't matter. Again, it again didn't matter as there was nothing to sell. It, it makes me think of, uh, I, I hate to keep going back to the same book, but 1984, where they would do the fake news updates every day. And they would just say stuff that wasn't even true, like chocolate rations are doubled today or, you know, chocolates up 10 percent. I can't remember. There was a specific line about how they would kind of brag about how you're getting you're getting more chocolate today it's kind of to appease people. And, and like you said, that sense of abundance. And, and so I guess psychologically speaking, if people are watching this, the idea behind it is, yeah, people are starving. There's food shortages. Life sucks. Let's make sure that what people are watching presents this fantasy world to them. That's sort of um, th this world where you can go to the store and get all of these things these amazing fantastical things including minced chicken <laughs> <laughs> if only it weren't sold out you could get the minced chicken it's sold out though right and it's funny um the advertising it's not really a firm it was a agency they did the advertising for all the these uh state-owned companies once the soviet union collapsed and free market came about uh the previously state-owned ad agency went out of business they couldn't compete with you know private companies <laughs> really <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was weird think about it. like you perfected the propaganda technique you think you could still transfer that over to selling actual products but yeah it's it's just so bizarre <laughs> anyway that's the, that's the weirdest thing of everything i think very weird uh, let's see what else. Those are all the articles I had. Can we watch some of the clips? Yes. 
So this one is topical. It's a movie that's it's a it's a it's a it's getting a reboot, right? Lord of the Rings. <laughs> uh, and the thing is, this is probably still going to be tons better than the Amazon. <laughs> this is the Russian Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So this was discovered a couple of years ago. Apparently, this is made in either nineteen ninety or ninety one, around that time. And it's a made-for-television movie, uh, Lord of the Rings. So let's uh, watch a bit, see if we can understand what the hell's going on. This is the one that Pirate Tomsky said, you put one in the folder, guys, that's five hours long. And we were like, yeah, we're not watching the whole thing. Gold foil. <laughs> I was watching a little bit of this, and I'm thinking, this kind of looks like a movie I would have made when I was a kid. Is this one of my movies? Did I make this? <laughs> I'm waiting for you to appear. <laughs> <laughs> can, can you say that in your accent? <laughs> Written by Tolitsky. <laughs> I only think that there's a 10 year difference between this and Peter Jackson's Lorraine. Just think of like a huge jump in quality. <laughs> okay, new series idea. While everyone else, all the other geeks and gamers, Friday Tice guys, whoever, they're going to be talking about the new Lord of the Rings stuff. We should be reviewing this on a week-to-week -week basis. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in with all five of us. Look at Russian, the ring, the Russian ring. <laughs> oh, nerdy girl. I have seen Turkish Star Wars. Yeah. I have seen Turkish Star Wars, and I've seen Turkish Batman and Turkish Spider-Man, and I used to, oh, one of my good friends, he, uh, uber geek, uh, worked at Marvel, uh, had just a crazy collection of the bootleg Turkish films. We should do a Turkish film night. Yeah. We watch the rest of this. <laughs> <laughs> when spirit is free of malice, body stays young for a long time. Is that what it said? I'm just so distracted by the cinematography. Is just, it's great. It's a little Doctor Who-ish, like old school Doctor Who. It does. Oh, wait, that's Gandalf. It... <laughs> that's Gandalf and Bilbo. The It does look like the production values of old school, school Doctor Who. Who's that? That guy's was... Oh, Bilbo. Oh, it's Gollum. Is it? Or. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever go to like Six Flags and like 
do their little video thing where they like put you on front of a blue screen for like a music video. Like your friends is like playing like a fake guitar and it's like the worst blue screen technology. No, my parents would never splurge for that. Oh. <laughs> Did you do that? Yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> oh yeah, go. There we go. <laughs> There's go. <laughs> <laughs> I could be in this movie. I can act that good. <laughs> that well. <laughs> is there no direction for any of this? They're just like, just do something. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of What's acting that, that, that um, it's like a theater actor, you know? We have to really create it in the imagination of the viewer and sell it over the top. <laughs> <laughs> justice bringing a fish tank yeah <laughs> still better than rings of power <laughs> straight up whole video Like it's all single cam for the most part, right? It doesn't seem like they've been cutting. And so began our friend's long journey from Shire to Mordor. Raindrop sang their tune. This is our narrator. Oh. This, this reminds me of, do you remember the through the looking glass made for TV, Alice in Wonderland movies. They were so creepy. Do you remember those? I don't think I've ever seen those. Carol Channing was in one of them. Oh, oh, I know what we have to do one week. You would find these so strange. I think you would love them. Anyway, it looks kind of like that. The props. <laughs> this is better than cable access TV. <laughs> Tree Surgeon says this is less Marxist than Rings of Power, too. <laughs> Somebody had to like edit this into like a modern movie trailer. I'm kind of stuck watching this. We need to stop, though. We have a couple more things to cover. <laughs> Mesmerized. <laughs> yeah, Therese, puff and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Never understood how they got away with that name. Oh, man. Okay. That was fun. What about the soldiers dancing? Uh, yes, so the Soviet, uh, I think the army, they uh, like to dance. And I found out there was a clip from a movie from 1965. Uh, this one, I like, this is that clip, but they put on 
uh, heart-based music on it. And I think it goes better than the original. Okay, so this is not the original. This is someone did a remix of... That's the original, and the one that Pirate just clicked on was the uh, dubbed-in audio. The Dance of the Soldiers. I didn't think about inviting in time, but we, we should have on sometime is my friend Juana. She's mm -hmm. written a lot about how communist governments would do put out these sort of group like collectivist dancing. So you would have all these different this these different propaganda with soldiers dancing, and she compares it to the all the TikTok doctors dancing that we've seen in the past two years. And she just makes these interesting connections between the two and and why it is. Because you would think of this repressive communist regime, this totalitarian regime, wouldn't allow you to have something so expressive, right? And so um, artistic. And But much like the television of the film, it's what you're seeing is a controlled kind of dancing. And it's also collectivist, like the nature of the films, right? Where they're showing people on the farms working on these collectivist farms, having so much fun doing it. And then when you're seeing dancing, it's not like couples dancing, right? It's, it's these um, almost military style and sometimes with literal military guys. All dressed the same, you know. All dressed the same. Yep. Yeah. Would you go ahead and play that, please, Pirate? This one really makes me think of the TikTok nurses. Like this makes my knees hurt just by looking at it. <laughs> what if, like, we got it all wrong? Like, it's just how the Soviets are planning World War Three. <laughs> like in America, we're like, oh, it's gonna be a nuclear war. And we're like, oh, they told it's just going to be collectivist dancing. <laughs> I like this guy. I call him werewolf. You almost want to hear them like, woo, you know, yeah. from the side. Yeah. 
They're like the X Men. Like each one has a certain dancing power. It's like they're acrobats. Do you think they like train for like little kids? Well, they're doing Jane Fonda every morning. Oh, yeah, they're doing those exercises every morning. Okay, I get it. I I see the system. All right, makes sense. This is like walking up in the club, like. Look at these guys. New intro for Carrie's channel. Maybe. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> He's wearing the kicks on in the face, but it never happened. Certainly, Unicorn says, mutually assured dancing. Yeah. That would be a great movie. That was pretty cool. I, I yeah. Like yeah. Thank you, Pirate. Yeah. And I, I, um, do you have something else? I have an article about the discotheque that I can pull up. Um, I just lost it. Can you can you put it in the private chat? Oh, there it is. Um, and make it a little bit larger, if you don't mind. So this is called 1980s, the golden age of Soviet discotheques. And if you scroll down just a little, looking back on how people in the Soviet Union used to spend their time after work, the first thing that comes to mind is the discotheque. The 1980s were truly the golden age of Soviet discos. Today, DJs are everywhere in Russia. Nine out of ten public festivities will include a DJ at some point. A disc jockey's equipment nowadays consists of a laptop, a compact mixer, and a pair of headphones, and they all easily fit into a backpack. DJs come do wherever you need them now, but there was a time when people stood in long lines looking for tickets to the magical place called the discotheque. Looking back on how people in the Soviet Union spent their time after work, the first thing that comes to mind, oh, I already read that, uh, is the discotheque. The 1980s were truly the golden age of Soviet discos. It is well known now that in the Soviet Union, people led a hard, monotonous, and uneventful lifestyle. Yet regardless how difficult life was for Soviet citizens, they liked to have fun, so they found a natural and safe way to entertain themselves by organizing dancing parties. Even during Stalin's hardline dictatorship, people were able to dance in official culture clubs in the cities or in the dvor, the courtyard in front of their homes. The older generation still remembers summer evenings when someone would bring their Padaphone, which is like a gramophone in front of the building, and neighbors would come down and dance Ria Rita, a popular tune at the time. And then they've got some of these songs. Um, the sources of music at dancing parties were usually the mechanical turntable, an accordionist, or a simple three piece band. Dancing in the Soviet Union was probably one of a few officially permitted types of entertainment. Officially permitted. Many Soviet films in the 1930s and 1950s included dancing scenes, and these films were ideologically approved by Soviet censors. And this goes back to that, like the clip that we saw at the beginning, they would have these, um, these collectivist dancing scenes. It wasn't always soldiers, it would be farmers, but they'd all be dancing. Um, anyway, we, we can stop there. I want to see some of the clips that you have, but I just thought, I just thought that was interesting because as I said, when I first was thinking about it, I'm like, why would they allow them to do something that's so joyful and so fun? But <clears throat> on the other hand, 
maybe a lot of it was was controlled in the same way that the film and TV was controlled, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Because uh, I was trying to find information about how much music really infiltrated the Soviet Union. Because I remember watching Beatles retrospectives and talking about how a lot of the records were snuck in. And uh, as I was researching today, I was thinking about how different uh, a lot of the bordering Soviet uh, countries must have uh, been in terms of people having access to some of the Western music. Because you think something like West uh, East Germany being able to pick up transmissions from West Germany and despite you know their government trying to forbid them to tune in to Western transmissions obviously people were going to do that and so it's always interesting to think about how different those areas must have been compared to maybe some of the areas that were more uh, further away from Western you know countries mm-hmm Plus with dancing, it's, it's sort of, as you were saying, you um, were surprised they didn't push more like porny stuff because they would want people to have their bread and circuses kind of idea. Um, like during the lockdowns, how we were able to, like all the liquor stores were still open and the fast food was open and, but the gyms were closed. Maybe dancing was kind of one of those things where it's just, that's not going to, that's that's going to allow them to feel like life is still somewhat normal and not too bad because they get to yeah. dance. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Be some outlet for them. Uh, you- one of the things I read about for FTV, <laughs> Jack Andy, uh, was that there was a the government who put forward a lot of these type um, contestant game shows, a lot of these variety music programs. They started thinking that it was they needed to have a more participatory uh, element to their shows because there's a contradiction between, you know, them putting forward all this collectivist, you know, views of uh, society, but not involving the viewers at home with a lot of that entertainment. And so once they started incorporating uh, ways for people to vote on music, you know, videos of people, um, uh, singers, you know, by having people write in or call, and are having people think that they have a good chance of getting onto a game show um, that proved to be very popular. And so that makes me think of all the competition shows we have here, (laughs) which I kind of think of as brain dead entertainment, not judging. I have my own different favorite kinds of brain dead entertainment, but you feel like you're a part (laughs) of something, your vote, your vote matters. Call in dancing with the stars, you know, Jim had a great quote. Think of it as a release valve. It's still controlled, but it gives people a bit of relief from the odiousness of their lives. That's correct. Right. So if you want to pull up the Simpsons video or one of your other clips, I'm going to see if I can find that dancing clip that I've mentioned that my friend made that I, I didn't think of it beforehand, but it combined some of the Russian dancing with the TikTok dancing. So I'm going to look okay. for that. Yeah, Pirate, you can pull up the Simpsons clip. It's not an actual clip from the Simpsons, but an artist did a version of the Simpsons intro, but in the style of, you know, Soviet Union entertainment. So it's kind of depressing, actually, (laughs) but it's well done. So uh, let's take a look at that. 
This is so depressing. I know. <laughs> Just look at the color choices. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me want to cry. Fart <laughs> in the room. <laughs> oh, oh man! Hey, Mark. <laughs> wow, <Yeah>. that ending. <laughs> Who made this? I, I don't know. Uh, this person does a lot of animations. Uh, that video I just showed is very popular. It's got like 15 million views. What? That was so disturbing, but I'm so glad you showed it to me. But it seems accurate, no? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm going to send you this thread in the private chat. Pirate. This is, uh, I found it. <laughs> it's nerdy girl, so she's going to have nightmares now. <laughs> just watch some real Simpsons. Well, maybe that won't improve your nightmares. Maybe some old Simpsons, not new stuff. Yeah. So we can just scroll through this thread. Uh, it's been a while since I read it, but if you want to follow Juana on Twitter, she tweets a lot about art, culture, dance, um, the past two years of authoritarianism, her mother living through communism and this thread i thought was she's one, she is one of the smartest people i know and this thread i thought was really interesting okay so she says there have been many people pointing out that the proliferation of dancing nurses and doctor videos since the onset of global covid 19 policy has been well tacky i agree but i also think there may be more going on um scroll down she's talking about here an artist named Meyerhold and she says he was a large influence on the performance art piece I created the way movement impacts and inspires people beyond just the emotional impact to the viewer isn't something that is discussed often however we can see it throughout history while watching the seemingly endless dancing nurses videos I was suddenly struck a few weeks ago by a memory I had seen this before many times my mother is both a victim and a survivor of communism. She was a performer and an actress. I have a degree in the theater arts. I have over the years noted the ways that the performing arts are both influenced by and influence authoritarian regimes. Performance at its most simpl simplified form is it's a form of storytelling, even when the performance may appear to simply be something else. And you can see there that that video of people doing this uh, collective kind of gymnastics. It's been over 14 months since the, those videos of dancing as part of the COVID-19 crisis began. So what story are we being told and telling? This is the question I keep asking myself. This thread is a study of that. And we'll put a link to this thread in the chat. It's just full of, from different cultures, different times throughout history, dance just so you can look through it and and see there's no right answer here but what it makes you think about as she's saying like what story is being told and what story are we telling 
Well, the odd thing about that time was that they're saying that the healthcare workers were frontline, you know, fighters, soldiers, whatever. And I was thinking, do you not see the contradiction? Of course, they see it, but the contradiction between what they're saying in terms of describing it as something that's so serious that you compare it to war, to then having people who are dancing and having a good time. It's yeah. like, Think about it, like if TikTok existed back during World War II, would we be seeing American soldiers going to the beaches of Normandy? I can't hear you. Your mic is breaking up a lot. It's all fuzzy again. Yeah. Okay. No. What did we do last time? Did you leave and come back? Ah. He left. Okay. There he is. No, he's gone. He's going to come back. Tree surgeon says, we are dancing seals for the elite is the message. Yeah. I apologize for the buzzing in his audio. Thank you guys. Chinese TikTok dance videos. Can you put that thread back up? Pirate. Oh, there's Mr. Chris. I'm back. Hello? Is that any better? Yes. It's gone. Excellent. Yay. So you got know, cut off there at the end. Yeah, but I'm just saying, just think about it. Like, if it was World War II and the soldiers had TikToks back then, would you see a bunch of soldiers dancing on the beaches in Normandy, doing like synchronized dances, making it all cute? There's being gunfire all around. It's just, it's, it's just ridiculous. It's the things they were trying to get us to accept, and it always feels like a like exercise. That, the, that was the point to see how far can they go and putting out contradicting messaging. Yeah. It also was sort of, you know, the hospitals are overrun and these are our heroes. Um, and we know everyone's scared and it's awful, but our heroes are also going to perform for us now and show us that everything's going to be fine. It's, it's very performative. And it, 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 in your mind, in my mind, it brought up the obvious question of, well, I guess they're not that busy if they can do all these videos but for the masses, I think who love the kind of people who love that stuff and were sharing it, I don't think they even, I don't think that question entered their mind. Do you think it did? I think they were just sort of like, look at, look at our heroes. They're also entertaining us. Yay. <laughs> yeah. They're keeping their spirits about them. <laughs> just imagine like if you went to the doctor's office and your doctor came in and was like dancing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I got some bad news for you. You have six months yeah. left for me. He's like, it's out cancer. There. Do the robot. Yeah. yeah. Hey, what? <laughs> well, I guess it's not so bad. Thanks, Doc. I don't know if you can hear Tiger crying, but that's because there's a train. Oh, oh he wants to conduct yeah. that train. Oh. Yeah. He, he becomes a baby if there's thunder <laughs> or a train or... <laughs> Just a couple of things like that. Anyway. Yeah. So thank you for scrolling through this while we were talking pirate. Because she included so many. Again, you should check out this thread. She included so many different examples, uh, not just historic examples of dancing during, I guess, times of crisis, but also a lot. She she went out and curated and collected all the TikTok. Look at this doctor. It's creepy, though. It is creepy. And a full mask like that? Yeah, it's like they're mocking. Ew! <laughs> uh-uh. 
this isn't cool. I think we're hopefully we're going to look back on this and be like, what was wrong with us? <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, I don't know. It's just bizarre. No, that's that's very that's it's more disturbing than that Simpsons video we watched. It is very disturbing. Okay. I've enjoyed this hanging out with you and learning about some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, I especially enjoy the, uh, uh, <clears throat> the commercials for things that don't exist and the morning exercise routine. <laughs> I, I have one other video uh, we go out on. Yeah. I'm going to put that in the chat. Uh, pirate that is in the chat. <laughs> No. Yeah, doesn't look so deadly to me, says Therese. It's a boogie virus. That's it. So this video that will be up soon is not from the Soviet Union, but it is from Russia. And it is hilarious. I think. Is, is this a surprise? Yes. What is this? This is the future carriage. Wait for the chorus. He does look like Putin and he has a starfish. <laughs> He's wearing a starfish You can turn it down, but leave it on. Yeah, turn it on. John Fetter says, I think the truth came from this fat dog. Yes, this is patient zero right here, little tiger. <laughs> What year was this? It, it, I'm guessing 97. It sounds like, although they're always behind. <laughs> like, well, you, you know, Russia and other countries are behind in terms of music genres that are popular here. But it sounds very uh, Euro dance. It's kind of catchy, though. Yeah, he's weird. Is it, is it catchy? This is like the Russian Daft Punk. Do <laughs> 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 you watch this and go, oh, white people? <laughs> Every day. He's got spindly, <laughs> spindly alien arms. Starfish on the table. 
Thank you for the super chat, Christopher Gorey, 499. Thank you, sorry, says Carrie and Pirate. Keep it up. We need truth telling more than ever. Thank you. We also need to laugh at Russian entertainment. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how many uh, Russian soldiers are listening to this song right now. Get them pumped up. It's too bad Mandy wasn't here tonight. She could tell us all about this. Does she speak Russian? She does. She's always accusing me of being Russian bot. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Information. <laughs> so this is what happened to Macaulay Culkin. This is from eight. Are you okay? Tiger doesn't like the song. He's going back to his spaceship. He did his job. He brought us peace through our ears. Was this a popular song? Do you know? I don't know. It's popular there, but it's popular on YouTube. It's got all, it? almost 90 million views. What? Yeah. People Why? know talent when they see it, Carrie. No, people with no talent? <laughs> what are you talking? <laughs> That's not talent. Can you do that, Carrie? What is this? This is a surprise from Pirate. Pirate's Choice, guys. Oh, that's just the same. Uh, right? Oh, he's yeah, showing he's us how many right. views. Weird Russian singer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, people like to laugh at it. Nerdy girl says, "Yeah, it's just it's uh, anyway." Yeah, like that. Yeah. Oh, you gotta sign it, but we'll record that as a like. That's how about this? Shit. How about this synth pop one? Can oh yeah, more? do you want to play it? Yeah, a this little was bit. During, this was Soviet. Yeah. Uh, oh, interesting. I put, it, I put it in the wrong chat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And this is this is real. I had to look this up because I was like, is this done in the style of eighties? But it's fairly real. So like I, I, I thought that guy was like, this has to be fake. That can't be real. <laughs> the audience is dead. They are so dead, this audience. <laughs> this is like a Russian Depeche Mode, I guess. Pirate says we should vamp for two minutes. <laughs> but they're not. Look, look how serious he is. Like the audience is just picking up his dead energy and they're just going back to him. I or maybe he's was... upset at them. Like, I always thought it was weird when bands looked like they were too cool to be at their own show. <laughs> I mean, I understand concentrating while you play, but when they're just sort of like, 
you think they're doing a grocery list in their head? <laughs> Looking forward to that sandwich right Actually, I'll tell you something Anthony said. When it when it's a song that he plays all the time and he knows very well. <laughs> Pirate says that's that's Jeremy from the quartering after the shave. In the hat with the uniglasses. So Anthony says if he knows the song really well and he's playing it show and he doesn't have to think about it that he will be thinking of other things in his head and it could be a really complicated song but as long as yeah. he knows it well enough and there was one night where I was like oh my gosh I can't remember what song he did it was so great maybe it was uh, Malaganya and it looks so difficult and how do you remember all that and he told me he was thinking about the next episode of uh, this stupid TV show that we watch <laughs> like, <laughs> I wonder what's going to be on there <laughs> it work so i wonder if this is like a top of the pops type show top of the pops yeah yeah it looks like it says poke back there top of the poke (laughs) (laughs) i'm too good for this audience I need to he buy just, more product for my hair. Oh, he's like that guy that comes to your party and just looks like he's too good for it. And you're sort of like, <laughs> why did I invite you? Mm. Hey, <clears throat> the stream what? has just been suspended for copyright reasons. Oh. Holy crap. <laughs> okay, let's stop. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah let me uh, stop sharing. It'll come back eventually, but... Uh, Oh, so we're not live anymore? No, uh, the actual, um, yeah, it says suspended, so it'll come back if you keep talking about stuff that's not with copyright. Oh, okay. Stay on with us and see if it comes back. Copyright USSR. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. If you guys can see us again, let us know. Uh, I, I've I've got I've got the live stream up and it's still blocked. Hmm. Well, that's they're weird. like, how dare you play that synth pop and enjoy it more yeah. than the singer? That's strange. It was Soviet Lord of the Rings, wasn't it? You know what it is? <laughs> it's when we play it for a long period of time without pausing it and talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. have to. We have to kind of do break it up more although that was fun to put it on in the background because it's music and just let it go but yeah, yeah. <laughs> back in the ussr yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're back in the ussr you don't know how lucky you are the thing is as well all, all we talk about now we won't um that won't be part of the stream at all that's okay i'm just talking to you i know i'm just saying but just just I, i've got the other i've got it up on another tab so um yeah Okay. I'm just saying anything we say won't be uh, recorded. It won't be like presented or whatever. Well, oh, it's it recorded on StreamYard, so we could upload the full version to Rumble. Mm-hmm. If we uh, wanted to. Well, yeah, I mean, you could. You, yeah, you could, yeah. And, I yeah. was going to talk to you about Rumble as well, but off stream after the end of this. But there we go. Are we Is back? It back? Uh, it's back. 
Yeah. What? Back. You guys were back. So a uh, couple things. Damn commies. WTF commies don't have copyrights. I thought everything belonged to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought in communist Russia all the music is every we all own it. I mean, isn't it oppressive to say copyright? Yeah. Your property, my property. <laughs> YouTube gulag took us away for a period of time. Now YouTube gulag lets us back. John Miller, what happened? Yeah, if you guys haven't figured it out, I think we got a copyright strike because we were listening to that Russian synth pop for too long and we were enjoying it more than the Sid. We were... <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was kind of funny. That's so weird. While oh. we were, it is weird. Sorry, I cut you off. No, no, I was just saying, you know, how strange it was. It's weird. We were having a conversation while we were offline, guys. That was pretty funny. I'm not going to tell you the whole thing. It was just, just know that we had lots of laughs. left and right. <laughs> So stupid. You guys are really funny. Damn Reeskies. Mystery Chris was totally abusing his um <laughs> uh, end card. <laughs> My god. It was worse than watching an episode of The Wire. It was that bad. It was bad. He gave uh, me the end card, I gave him the C card, and <laughs> Pirate gave us the B card. Well, yeah. Karen is Karen. Hmm. Yeah. I don't. I, to... I got. I got the oppression. I. I win the. Uh, I. I. I'm at the bottom of the oppression hierarchy. So, pirates uh, are down here. Just identify as trans. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys. You guys are really funny. You need to report to the nearest re-education center. Yeah, I guess we're just gonna go out on a whimper now. <laughs> <laughs> Can we like uh Play like the American uh, end of a sign off. I'm going to play that. Let's do that. Middle finger. <coughs> Pirate as a cleanser. What a great idea, Chris. We're going to play the American flag national anthem sign off to cleanse our palate. And hopefully we don't get a strike as we go out. <laughs> but Kevin Anderson says best at this point just to fade away. I wonder if there's a. <laughs> filter we could do where we just kind of fade into the background like Homer into the bush. Yeah. Let's see. Is there must be a good one. Not that one. Can we play this one? It's a parano now. That's not oh no 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 that's not it. <laughs> you tricked us. That's not the that's not the sign off. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only America I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wait. That's not. That's right. You're not American. <laughs> Damn it, Kerry. <laughs> <laughs> what? What pirate? What? Well, well, send me the link. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Here we go. Unfortunately, I think this is the one <laughs> everybody likes that one. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Everybody likes yours, Pirate. They're not going to like this at all. Uh, this is going to be bad as shit. It is. I don't know if this is the one I'm thinking of. On YouTube, there's a few of them. Well, you know what? Joe Biden's probably going to claim this one. He's going to copyright claim this bitch. Well, there's no kids in it, so... Well... Hmm. Is that a joke? <laughs> oh. No, don't do this one. Let's do... Let's do the poltergeist one. That's the one that every nerd girl and everybody else in the chat was talking about. Right, there we go. That one. We'll sign off with this. You guys, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. We're just having fun and being silly at the end of our show since getting banned for showing Russian propaganda. Um, <laughs> and I'm one of your hosts, Carrie Smith. This is Mr. Chris, Pirate Tomsky. If you like the hello. show. Hello. Hit like. Anything else I should say, Pirate? Before we go, um, join locals. Join the locals. We are going to be doing book club there only, and we'll have more news on that soon. I think that's it. All right, let's go. Yeah, statue like that no you don't very foul did you did you ever watch poltergeist no never seen it there is that iconic scene where this plays before the tv goes off oh really <laughs> Yeah, this is where ghosts come out of the TV screen. It's a nice video, but not a lot of diversity. For anyone <laughs> <to cancel it. laughs>